I want to say let's turn to somewhere in the Bible, but we never get to it. So, <laughs> yeah, let's turn to Ephesians. Let's just open there and let's just pray that we might get there. <laughs> Praise God. Sometimes I have an idea, but we want the Holy Spirit to be in charge. Amen. In charge. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting sucked in the tunnel already. <laughs> ah. You know, my whole life since the day that I've been born again, when I got born again, I had a radical conversion. Everybody say radical. radical. Not everybody has the same experience when they get, get born again, but I had a radical conversion. I, I had grown up in church, and I could uh, get by the best of them that could quote scriptures and say the right things, and I could sit in a service and lift up my hands and, and do all the right things on the outward, but on the inside I was still evil because I had never been saved. And unless you've been born again into the family of God, really, you need a Savior. Amen? Awesome. Good fundamental gospel 101. That if you've never accepted Jesus into your heart and said, Abba, I want you to come in and become my father and, and repent of, of your old life and become a new creature, you're not saved yet. And there's a lot of people that grow up in church and just because their families have been in church their whole lives and they kind of just follow along the pattern and they do all the things that they see everyone else do, but they've never made an inward commitment of that change to him. It doesn't mean you're born again. But you can be, because salvation is to all. Amen? Yeah. Oh, but I had a radical conversion when I got saved. I, I had been addicted to cocaine. I was, I was addicted to drugs. I had run far away from the path that my parents laid before me. They did everything right. They, they did all the tedious things that good parents know how to do. You, they make you learn the Ten Commandments from the age of three. You, know? <laughs> you learn the story of Moses and the Israelites, and you learn all the Bible stories, and you just, it gets ingrained in you, right? You guys are familiar with that? But I had never accepted Jesus into my heart. And I remember the day that I got born again because I, I was doing cocaine in my room by myself. That I, I was, no one was there. It was just me and a pin top and a little bag of white powder. <laughs> and I was snorting it and getting high, and I thought that that's exactly what my life needed, you know. But, but all of a sudden, at that moment... I started to think about God. I had a split thought of God all of a sudden. And, and all of a sudden, I started to see how vile of a condition that I was in and how I was in destined of a Savior. I needed a Savior. Then my heart started to cry out in repentance to Him. And I started to get hit with the love of God. Everybody say the love. love. And all of a sudden, something started to wreck my heart. Oh my God, I had never felt it before. I wasn't in a church service. It wasn't traditional. It wasn't what we always make it out to be. It was God because God, He was so interested in me. He loved me. The purpose of the gospel was that for God so loved the world. Not for God so destined the world to go to hell and still has something against them. He's trying to save us. Amen? But I felt that love. I, I, all of a sudden, my heart started to just burn with something, and, and it broke me down. And I was a tough guy that thought he was a gangster that was used to getting in fights and, and just always being macho. And all of a sudden, I just broke and started to weep, and something was tearing me apart on the inside. And I was having this intimate encounter with love. 
God. Because God is And at that moment, it's when I cried out to him, and it's when Jesus actually stepped inside of me, and I was brought, you know, that union that we've been talking about the last couple of nights. That I was brought into union with God, that I actually became a new creature. And listen, I, it was a radical conversion where I, I, I dis, it's not even like a decision. I had just, I got set free, free free like God came into me and I had a realization of who he was and all of a sudden that I should not be doing cocaine it was an instant response that my God I can't do this anymore and I went and I flushed it down the toilet and all of a sudden my life started to take this turn in a different direction because union with God was now inside of me that I had become a new creature but see, when this happened, I, I experienced something. It was, it was a love that I had never, ever, ever, ever felt before in my entire life. And when that thing touched my heart, my whole being said, this is what I have been looking for my whole life. And once I had just a glimpse of it, it made me go on this intense, desirable pursuit to get to know God. And from that point, my whole heart, everything about my life, I've had one intent, and that is to pursue God with all I am because that love, that one moment, that one moment marked me so much to where I said, i got to give everything to this. And I had started to make decisions to pursue Him. Everybody say pursue. You see, everything that I teach, everything that I believe, everything that I do, if you want to get to know the heart of everything that I believe, that it should always be a constant pursuit of knowing God, that we should never lose that, that we should never lose our hunger to get intimate with God. And I could tell you that there are people in this room that have never experienced that intimacy. You've never let uh, surrendered to it. You've never really got acquainted with who God is and who you are. And listen, intimacy is the answer to every single problem that you could face in your life. There's no outward change that you're really looking for beyond the inward change that would happen if you could ever recognize who you are in Christ, who God is in you, and who He is as your Father. And if you're not intimate with God, what happens is you start to be controlled by all of your circumstances. You start to be controlled by all of your good times and your bad times and, and your past and your upbringing and your friends and how people treat you and situations you go through. And pretty soon you could only respond based on how everything is going around you and it determines your whole life and focus and everything about you. Are you following me? And then people in that moment seem, seems to have this view of God like he's outside and he's letting their world fall apart and they don't have answers to questions and they're always looking for some type of something that's going to give them something to be able to just function properly. But the answer, I promise you, the answer, the answer, everybody say the answer. It's always been inside of you from the moment that you got born again. Because the day that you actually got born again is the day that you were brought into union. Everybody say union. You were brought into union with the life-giving source of all life. It's a foreign concept to us to grasp this still because we still like to think of God out there and us over here. 
And if you can recognize and realize and really the start of that, listen, the start of that is listen to what I'm saying. And I'm not saying to listen so that you could look to me like I have something great to offer you. If you can hear what I'm saying, you're not going to look to me. You're going to look to you because you're going to realize God is in you. Amen? Amen? But the answer that we're always looking for is not found in a man. It's found in him. But in him is not far away. It's not in outer space. It's not even separate from you. In him is you because you are in him. If you got born again, anyone that has faith that Jesus is the son of God and God raised him from the dead and you believe and you confess with your mouth, Jesus actually stepped inside of you through union with God and that whole process of God becoming your father. You're not separated from him. So that means that if you're born again and you're in this place, listen to me, I'm going to make a statement that's going to confuse some people and make some of you mad and make some of you glad. But if you're truly born again, even if you've been living a lascivious lifestyle of very immoral ways, you still have God inside of you right now. Hello. But you're on a very dangerous road to killing that union if you continually live in that place. You're following me. Oh, I didn't mean to go so serious so quick, but we will. Because God inside of you wants you to recognize who you are and who he is so that you could be the very child that he's created you to be. But a lot of us are robbed of that because we can't see that clearly. And a lot of what we were taught as we were raised in churches and denominations and different experiences in life and just things that happen that don't go right, we tend to doubt God and look at ourselves as vile, ugly, and the problem. And we're always in need of a Savior as if we never got born again. But the day that we actually got born again, we got born again. It's so simplistic and it's the very thing that the devil has come after and removed from most of us and it's why we continually spin our wheels and spin our wheels and spin our wheels because we fail to see who we already are and we fail to see who God is. But the answer has always been intimacy. That if you don't know who you are, if you don't know who he is, to me it's a ridiculous thought to stay in that state. That if things haven't worked in your life up until this point, you know, it would be a really good time to reevaluate things and do some things different. Amen? Because it's not that you're lacking the answer. It's not that you're even lacking the potential to overcome. It's not that you really need something different. You need to get intimately acquainted. You know, when we think of intimacy, we, we have a certain idea of how we view of that. But intimacy is union. It's, it's, it's communion. It's getting to know someone on a one-on-one -on -one level and getting intimately acquainted with them. We can understand that when it comes to a male and a female. And marriage? Oh, but it's so much deeper when it comes to God. It was a parallel even of marriage of what God desired to have with us. And when the two really become one, you know, the parallel of marriage. And, but Jesus and God being your Father, that He's in you and you're in Him. And you actually are one right now. Are you saved? Are you born again? Did you pass from death to life? Listen, you have God inside of you. 
And some of us failing to recognize that, not grasping our true identity, have taken God inside of us. The, you know, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we've brought him into some very unpleasant situations. <laughs> we don't think of it like that, though, because we still think we're separated from him. But your body really is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That means you're carrying him with you with whatever you do. But if we could grab that on an intimate level of knowing that he's really in us, what would we be lacking to overcome whatever situation we're in right now? What lack would there be in him? We could all commune and agree that in God there would be no sickness, right? What well, says thy kingdom come in heaven but in earth just as it is in heaven, right? Well, we would all agree, and we had a little checklist, and we would say, if we got zapped into heaven, that if you were with God and you were hanging around him, you would conclude that there's no sickness, right? We would all conclude that there's no depression, there's no poverty, there's no lack, there's not even a sense of fear. There would be perfect love that would be so present where all of us would just be oh, invigorated with this feeling of having no lack then we come back here where we're at and we still see him as up there and where we're at there is nothing but lack and depression and fear and and torment and worry and and insecurities and 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 we still see God is out here and we don't realize that he actually stepped into us to bring the atmosphere of where he lives and everything that he is into who we are but that's not out there so then we look to the fivefold ministry up here as our answer. I got something that you need. I'm all about laying hands on people. I'm all about grace. We're probably going to do it tonight. But if you never ever get intimately acquainted through fellowship, everybody say fellowship. If you never get intimately acquainted with who's really living inside of you through daily communion, you're never going to grow beyond the point of where your understanding is right now you're still not going to recognize who's in you and who you are and what you have. See, I have a, a, a daily practice. Everybody say daily. daily. See, people look at me a lot of times and they're like, God, you're so bold. You're so intense. You're so on fire. You're so happy. You're so gracious. You're not really gracious. I'm a little stern sometimes, but hey, somebody say glory. <laughs> and they just, they like, it's so good, but that's not me. That's you. But what people don't understand is I haven't always really been like this. I had to get rooted and grounded in the place of love and who God is in me and who I am in him. And through getting to know who he was, my God, it's made me the most unfearing person in the world to where if I need to tell you something, I'm going to tell it to you. <laughs> I don't care how you react if I know it's coming from him. Because I'm not really here to make you happy. I'm here to preach the truth of the gospel that's supposed to change your life. Which means that you can see it and believe it and start to have the fruit of it. But I have a daily practice. Everybody say daily. daily. See, I like to wake up at about 4.30, 5 a.m. in the morning. To some people, that's early. To some people, that's late. I'm not trying to make a religious law of this. You don't have to do things exactly how I do them. Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith, not me. But I wake up every day, early in the morning. Oh, and listen, it's, it's not hard for me to. I don't look at it like I'm losing sleep. I look at it like I'm getting the opportunity to spend time with the one that's in me. And as soon as I wake up, I'm Father, I love you. 
I love you. I thank you that you're in me. I thank you that I'm in you. I thank you that Jesus is alive in me. I thank you that I'm not going to be in torment and fear today because I'm in union with you and I'm discovering that you really are alive, but you're alive in me and I'm not separate from you. Oh, and I let these minutes just turn into hours and pretty soon a few hours is not enough because I'm falling in love with intimate relational communion with him. Listen, it's everything my life revolves around from the day I got born again up until this point. It hasn't diminished, it's getting stronger. But I'm finding in that that my life's not falling apart but like a lot of people that I come in contact with. Sometimes I look at them and then I look at myself and I'm wondering what's the difference because if they really knew me and where I came from, it was like there wasn't any hope for me and I looked at myself as very dysfunctional but I made some really, really good and wise decisions. Everybody say good and wise. I decided to start to put my whole energy and being into this intimacy with God where I would commune with Him and get to know Him. And all of a sudden, my view of him being out here like I had to seek to press to get somewhere started to change because he started to show me that he wasn't out there. He was in here. And all of a sudden, I started to look at myself and circumstances different because I started to gauge life through a completely different perspective. I was no longer as concerned about changing my circumstances as much as I was concerned about walking in who I was to affect my circumstances. Which means when things went up and when they went down, I learned how to laugh through it all because God was still in me and he didn't change and he's good and he's the same and peace was starting to dominate my character. Because in him there is no lack of peace, but in me it seemed like there was a lot of torment and fear when I first started this. It's because I didn't know that he was in me. But the more my faith is rooted and grounded in realizing that he really is in me and I'm really in him, that there could really be no fear that's living inside of me. You're only going to get perfect love that's going to drive it all out. Which means I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to die. We go preach the gospel in Mexico and, you know, there's some bad situations and things going there. And my heart is to run as close to the danger as I can to see if we can get some of these boys born again. <laughs> I'm not afraid because I have a belief that I'm not going to die because I'm walking in the will of God because I know who is in me. And if he sends me, well, listen, if I'm going to die, I have a very great expectancy that he'd debrief me for it and say, hey, this is it. It's time. <laughs> If he ever said that, there's a love that's in me that's greater than anything in this world at this point where I would only have one option at this point in my life and that is to go. Because that's what I'm living for. But I've gotten intimately, everybody say intimately. Oh, I've gotten intimately acquainted with that union that's in me. I've spent time hours it's a daily thing that i've done listen and i'm not saying it has to be a religious block of hours because i want our thinking to expand past the time that you set apart to him as if he's separated when you leave that time he never leaves you he's always with you 
whether you have done something good or bad today, it does not change who you are in him at this moment. Now, if you continually walk in the direction of sin in the world, you have turned your back on God and you are going the opposite way. And it's going to take some time for you to try to kill off that union that's in you. And if you keep going that direction, you will walk out of God and you will find yourself in a very dangerous place. I do not recommend it. you don't have to keep going that direction you could turn to the one that's living in you and tap into that intimacy and start to change and not that you're changing you're realizing who you are to change how you act because you would act like God if you realized that God's alive in you and it wouldn't even be acting it would be you being who he created you to be People hear the Bible, it seems like it's lists and rules of my God, my God, it's hard. No, we've had our focus on the wrong thing. It's not hard. If we could ever put the focus back on the new man and who you've been created and pour all of the faith of what you are into that, you could see clearly that you put off the old man by walking in the new man. And the new man is who you really are. Which means sin is not hard to resist if you realize you're not a sinner and you're being, it's repulsive to you. God hates sin. God's in you, so you should hate sin just as much as he does. Amen? Because you're in union with him. Well, I've gotten intimately acquainted with this place through spending time with him. It's changed my perspective about life and the gospel always being about me. And, and me getting more and me getting more blessed and me always being happy and me always, you know, getting my way. And I found if you're going to follow Jesus, you're probably never going to get your way exactly how you want it. Because he's really not interested in your way. He's interested in his way. But on his way and his path and living in him, you find that's where life really thrives. Listen, that's where joy is just bubbling out of you. And it doesn't matter where you find yourself or what's going on. You're going to be consistent. You're not going to be distraught by things. When people are falling apart and I meet them and I, and I know they have the same power of Christ in them. I know they've been born again. I know that they have the same union with God that I do. I just know they have failed to realize it. And so everything about life is controlling them and bringing them down and they're depressed and they're always in lack and they're always in torment and they're always afraid and, and things are always going wrong in their life and it's always about I'm going through this, I need help to get out of it. I'm going through this, I need help to get out of it. But if we could ever shift our perspective onto the one that lives in us and who Jesus is and how we're connected to him, he's in us and we're in him and start to get intimately acquainted with that place, you will look at everything different. It will no longer be about you. It'll be about how can you bless and love today and be Jesus no matter what is going on because your light's supposed to be shining at all times. But we cover it up sometimes, you know. Oh, I don't feel like it today. Feelings have nothing to do with this if you realize that you're rooted and grounded in Him and you're supposed to grow up into Him. But in your growing, listen, you're not starting from a place of lacking if he's in you, listen, if he's in you, you have the capacity to start to win right now. You might have to fight a little bit and start to square your shoulders and throw some blows. But listen, in that fight, you should start to recognize that he's in you and you're fighting through his grace and strength, which is allowing you to overcome. 
The grace of God was never a license to sin or live in failure or live in defeat while we bask and say thank you for your grace while we live in this weak state of always never able to put our feet in front of another and move forward. Grace empowers you to win through union with God because He is in you. He's alive and He has all the power to conquer any mountain that's in your way. Do you recognize who you are? Do you recognize who He is? Because He's alive but not out there in you. And you've been seated in Him. Oh my God. We have the potential to conquer anything. It doesn't matter the, the depth of it. There's no limit to how much you could be filled with God if you start to tap into who's already in you and let it come out. But this does not happen unless you get intimately acquainted. Everybody say intimately. You've got to get to know him as your father, which means you have to start to pursue him, but not out there. Pursue him in here. And it's not complicated. We make it rocket science. We make it so extreme and like you have to do these things or blah, blah, you know, listen, even if your heart makes a decision to say, I want to start to pursue you, you think God can hear that? He can. He's already in you. And you start to head in the direction of doing it and all of a sudden things in life distract you and things happen and all of a sudden it's, oh, I didn't get to do what I committed to do and then we start to be condemned. Stop it. Don't let condemnation think that you're a failure. Get that thought out of your brain. If you missed your alarm in the morning, you, can, you could recognize that God never left you. So take the time that you do have left in the day, wherever it is, and start to say, Father, thank you. Thank you. I'm alive in you and you're alive in me and I'm going to get intimately acquainted with who you are and who I am. You know, I, there's a super busy time in my life where we say we don't have time. Well, that's never really true. You always have time. Your time is going somewhere. <laughs> now, whether it's to God and getting intimately acquainted with him, that's really your decision. But I remember I was working 12 to 14 hours a day and lots of overtime and my job demanded it of me and it seems like my time was getting less and less and, and in those moments it seems that we start to lose sight of what's really going on but you know I had a little pocket Bible about this big that I carried around in my little back pocket and every single time I had a split second of a break man I'd crack that thing open and I'd read it. Didn't matter if it was a minute, five minutes, or ten minutes. Oh, I'd read it. And I, was, and I was in communion with God in those little short times that we think are so insignificant, but they're so vital. Are you listening to me? Are you listening? And all of a sudden, my understanding started to grow of who he is and who I am because the New Testament talks very clear and plain about who you are in Christ and who he is to you as your father. And being filled with the Holy Spirit, oh, and how you could have daily communion with Him. And it's sometimes, you know, we think that those little times that we have, that they're not good enough. You know, it's, we look for the long blocks of hours, like everybody has to be praying and fasting and reading their Bible for like 20 plus hours a day. And then we make these incredibly large demands that most people that have working jobs and families aren't going to be able to dedicate that much time, you know. You guys following me? Don't ever undermine and make seem insignificant the times that you do have to do what you know to do. Because it's those moments that you invest into that you start to grow in your understanding of who he is and who you are. 
And listen, the goal of those intimate times is to change our thinking to where we're never thinking like we're separate from him. To where whether if you pray or don't pray, he never leaves. I'm not saying that, that you wouldn't pray, but we should get this. Because we still think it's the prayer that's the, you know, and I'm all about the prayer. Don't, Don't take this the wrong way. But if you happen to not pray tomorrow morning, he never left. So you could still see yourself as in him and him and you. And the next day you get the opportunity to pray again. Because he never left. And you could communicate. And it doesn't even have to wait till the next day. It could be the next hour. Let's change our perspective of how we see it. Because he's in me. I'm in him. And we are one. And the love that he had for Jesus. That same love he has put inside of me. That I might know that love. And it's through intimacy. You know, when I first went to church, when I was 16, when I had just gotten born again, I got invited to church, and I walked in, and I, I saw my wife, who's my wife now, who wasn't my wife then, and I said, my God, I want to come back to church. <laughs> but you know, I wasn't satisfied with that one look at her. Man, I, I, I saw her and I said, I need to get to know this girl. We can understand this when it comes to relationships. Oh, everything in me wanted to, to get around her so we could commune, so I could get to know her and talk to her. So I'd do all kinds of things to try to get her attention, you know. And, well, if you could have seen me back then, I was this crazy white kid that had these really baggy pants that were hanging off. My boxers were hanging out. My cap was on backwards and I thought I was a thug. <laughs> really funny <laughs> oh, and she wasn't really giving me much attention then because she's like who is this dude with his pants hanging off I mean come on man pull your pants off <laughs> <laughs> but listen I had a desire to pursue her and get to know her so I didn't stop oh and like clockwork I started to wear her down <laughs> we developed listen our relationship developed into a friendship where we started to get to know each other and all of a sudden that know that knowing started to grow into a yearning that we really wanted to know more and more and really when it comes to the marriage part it goes into the physical (laughs) and then you want more and that's not wrong because that's God's design but you're never supposed to know that union outside of marriage amen It's a sin to, and listen, it's a sin because it goes against love and who God is in us. And so we think that when we head into these situations of sexual immorality that God's separate from it, you take the Holy Spirit that's in you and you make Him the member of someone else. Listen, there's a disunion, disoriented, demonic thing that's happening there that shouldn't be. Are you listening? Are you listening? Sexual immorality is a sin and it's not okay in the body of Christ. But see, Paul would write and he would say, do not let fornication be named one time among you. He would write from this perspective of like, how can you guys not recognize and realize that this isn't who you are? You're not darkness. You walk in the light. So don't even think about doing this. Most people don't think like that now. So sexual immorality is running rampant in the church. 
Because we've lost sight of our true identity as sons and daughters of light and holiness that we're one with God and in union and the Holy Spirit's abiding in us and that we're not separate and that everything about our nature is of Abba Father and He cries holiness from within. And we don't see that. We don't see who He is. So then we end up doing these things thinking that they're okay and they're not. And I'm not getting angry at so much the things we shouldn't be doing, but the fact that we cannot see who we are and we've been lied to and robbed short. So doctrine has stolen identity and who we are in Christ and then we get mad at the sin action, but most people can't see to stop the sin action because they still think they have to. And so they're bound in this thinking that sees themselves as addicted and in bondage because they don't see that God is in them and liberated them from sin. And the being of Christ has given them all things to say no to fornication and never let it be named one time because it's who Christ is in them. Oh, we need that back in the younger generation. Start them from that point. Listen, let them see it. Let them believe it. Let them walk in that because it's the truth of doctrine of God's word. But it's never the problem and action of sin. Listen, sin is wrong, but most Christians still sin because they think they have to. And even if we mentally agree to it and say, I know that I shouldn't, we do it anyways because we still funnel ourselves as being the problem in need of an answer. And that tells me we don't know who God is in us and we don't know who we are because we're really not in need of an answer. He gave us the answer. We just haven't seen it yet. Are you following me? But if you get intimately acquainted with who's in you, read your Bible. Most people, listen, never read your Bible from the perspective as if it's not who you are. I could save you years of condemnation that I read the Bible from a standpoint of never measuring up. That that's not me. It's not, that's not me today. That I can't do these things. They seem so far out. And the New Testament was written from the perspective of understanding that everywhere that Paul and Peter and John went to preach, that people got born again. And when they got born again, they actually became love. God is love. And as he is, so are we. So then from that understanding and perspective, they would write all the do's and the don'ts based on the knowledge of them already knowing who they were. So they were constantly reminding people, you've been separated from the world. These were you sometimes that walked as Gentiles, alienated in your mind by wicked works, but you were washed by the blood of Jesus and sanctified. That you were sometimes darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. That you were a sinner, but now you've been sanctified and set free. They would always go back to what happened when they got born again, trying to get their understanding to grasp that you are not a sinner anymore. So don't even think Think about doing sin. What fellowship has Christ with Baal? He doesn't. They're separate. Are you guys following me? Somebody say glory. glory. If you get intimately acquainted through intimacy with who's in you, you're going to start to look at all these things differently. Then the Bible isn't about what you should be. The Bible is about who you already are. And then you read it from that perspective with a living hope. Everybody say living. living. Hope's not about the future. Living hope changes your circumstances right now. 
Meaning if you shouldn't do something, you don't look at it and say, oh, I'm not going to do it tomorrow, but do it today. No, you stop doing it today because the living hope in you makes you realize faith is alive. So read the Bible from the perspective that it's speaking to your true identity. This is who Jesus says you are. This is who God made you. That you are no longer this, but you're now this. Let it instruct your true identity through knowledge and grow in that understanding to let it be everything that you are in every single situation. Most people still think they're lacking love trying to become love, but you're never in a state of lacking love. You're just in a state of growing into the fullness of it. You're not lacking love today. You can forgive, you can bless, you can love. The love of God was shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You know that's in the Bible, right? And it's a past tense thing that happened. So I make it a point every day. Listen, no matter if I'm busy, oh, I strive and I fight to not only get alone with God, shut the world out. Listen, turn the TV off. <laughs> Shut your phone off. Let everything else just fall away. Spend time in prayer, in the Word, in worship. Oh, and everything I know that you guys are taught here really well, really well, but not from the standpoint of lacking or that God's mad at you or you have to do these things as a dictate of some response to some lackage in your life, but do these things from a place of love and intimacy, knowing that God loves you. He's in you. You're in Him. There's no lacking in that. You're just trying to tap into who is in you. Are you following me? I do it every day. When I'm hanging around with people, I've, I've trained myself that when there's a dead moment, I'm praying in tongues quietly. And they're, well, not even quietly. I'm staying with Richard and them now, and I'm usually singing really loudly. <laughs> and they're usually worship songs or tongues, you know. <laughs> Don't get too comfortable around me because I'm going to let it all out. Somebody say glory. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. You might think it's quacky. I don't care. I'm in a constant state of communion with God. And if you're really my friend, you're going to be okay with it. I pray all the time. I worship all the time. I'm always thinking about God. I'm always question, asking questions. He's always answering me. I'm always in this communication with Him. Because I know that He's in me. And he's, it's not even a breath away that He's talking to me. And I've learned where His voice comes from because I've gotten intimately acquainted with Him. He wants to commune with you and lead you and guide you and, and take you all the way into the will of God and change your focus and perspective about everything that you're going through right now to somehow reflect Christ into that situation. So when I meet people that are following apart, they've already answered the question that I don't need to ask. <laughs> I know they don't spend time with God. Because it's an automatic guarantee that if you are getting intimately acquainted with him, your whole perspective of life is changing and you're never going to stay down. You're going to start to be a conqueror everywhere you are. Because it's impossible for you not to if you really get intimately acquainted with him. That's what my whole life is about. That I might know him. Paul said that I want to know him in the power of His resurrection, in the fellowship of His sufferings, that I might be conformed to His death. 
They seem like scary words, but listen, you fall in love with him and everything becomes about him. You're not considering yourself as much anymore, as much as you are him, because you realize he's living through you and in you. And it's his will that's living that he wants to get across to this world. Listen, there's no other hope for the world but the people that are sitting in this room. If you don't do it, don't put it off on someone else like they will. We should be the living hope of the gospel in the earth right now to bear witness of Jesus because he's alive in us. But you cannot effectively do that if you don't know him. It'll be frail words that bounce off people because they could see through what you're really doing. And the world has already seen enough hypocrisy and I'm not interested in giving it to them. <laughs> we could give them the real thing. But the real thing isn't out there. The real thing's in you. So that means you are the real thing. There is no B team. You are the A team. You are the best that heaven has to use. Which means if we get acquainted with him in us and who he is and who we are, we realize that it doesn't matter if we've seemed insignificant in the past. There's no difference between you affecting the world and reaching people, however God would through you, than me going everywhere and preaching that we need each other to get on with this thing. That I'm not self-exalted up here like I'm the one that's supposed to do all the work. If you guys don't do what you need to do, my God, we're never going to do this. So I'm here to encourage you and stir you up so we get on with it and do it. Amen? Amen. And we can. Oh, and everything that we would need, there is no lack. No lack. Everybody say no lack. There's no lack in Him. You know, what is it? broken heart from a relationship that you've had for a long time that's just eating your lunch you don't think God cares about that he absolutely does and I promise you he had nothing to do with that a lot of times we go off on rabbit trails and damage happens his one heart's intent is to restore life and hope back into our lives so that we could breathe again is it a lifelong addiction to something that you felt you can't shake? I promise you, you can shake it because he shook it in you when he came alive in you. Is it lack of finances? Your problem is not lack of finances. For far too long, we've walked around like we're broke. Listen, if you knew who he was in you, you would never think you're broke. You're never lacking anything. It's not about finances. It's about him and he is the creator of all things and by him all things exist. If he needs you to get something and have something, he can make sure it comes to you. Where is your faith rooted and grounded? Lack's not the problem. Our problem is we haven't been intimate enough with him to know that he's going to come through. He will. I've seen it. Oh, I've seen it. He wants to fulfill us in all things through that intimate place of union where we come and our understanding grows into it to where it's all we see, that I'm not separate from him. Listen, I'm preaching this from a perspective of it changing my life as much as I know as it is yours because I'm starting to walk there more and more and more and grow in that more and more and more to where my whole world is being flipped upside down because I know I'm waking up as the answer, not the problem because the answer already lives in me. So there's nothing that I'm going to face that I can't overcome, that I cannot find grace and help for. It's going to come because grace and help lives inside of me. It's not a mercy throne that you approach out here. When you fail, it's always inside of you to approach so you don't fail. 
we still look at it as failure approach the throne, failure approach the throne, failure approach the throne. No, mercy and grace lives inside of you so you don't fail. You have it in the moment to overcome because you know who he is, you know who you are, and you say no and you win. That's some really good preaching. Thank you. It's in you. It's alive. It's working. He's never left. His power hasn't diminished. We've just failed to recognize it and see it. But you can. And I promise you, the more time that you spend with him, the more you want to spend with him. The more that you give him your heart, the more you realize that's what your heart's always been wanting, then it starts to get completely fulfilled with the source of life. It starts to just bleed over into everything you do. Oh, the best decision, the most wise decision that I've ever made and continually make is when I set my alarm at 5 a.m. in the morning. Listen, I love to preach, but I love to do something way more than preaching. That's wake up at 5 a.m., drop my coffee beans into my coffee grinder, fire that thing up. Oh, and me and Jesus are talking. He's loving on me and I'm loving on him and we're just having a great time and there's not no one up yet. Listen, the, it's still dark outside. Watching that sunrise with tears in my eyes because I know he's good and he lives in me and I'm thankful. That's where I live most of my life and I'm never coming out of that place. Nothing can talk me out of it at this point. Oh, and I want to invite everyone to come with me into it. <laughs> Because I promise you, God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't give me anything special that you can't have. The question is, will you get to know him and walk in it? Because you can. Everybody say, I can. The best decision that I've made and continually make is I get alone with him. And then that aloneness carries over into everything I'm doing where I realize I'm always with him. He never leaves. I don't do anything independently of him. 